Hello and welcome to the show. Today I'm here with Peter Hillary, explorer, expedition leader, and all-around fun guy who has been here on our expedition in the Kimberley region of Australia. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you. Great to be here and great to be out here in the beautiful Kimberley of Northwest Australia, one of the most gorgeous places on the planet and a place that really hardly anyone knows anything about. Yes, well, and I came here with no expectations because I really had no idea what I was going to see. But certainly this expedition has turned out to be just fantastic. What are some of the favorite highlights for you? Well, this is my third time to the Kimberley. First time I came here, it was on motorbike, so it was a terrestrial trip. And the last two have been like this one, which is coming from the sea. And there's so many places around this coastline that this is the only way to get there from the sea. There are very few roads. And so you're looking into this, look, it's a primeval wilderness, um, you know, with the marsupials and the wildlife and the trees and uh, these incredible sandstone escarpments. And you really feel like in some ways you've been transported back into the past, which is a wonderful feeling. Oh, that's fabulous. Now, you're somebody who has done expeditions beyond anything I've dreamed. You've certainly been on five uh, climbs of Mount Everest. You've cross-country skied to the South Pole, and you've done the Seven Summits. What is it about this kind of trip that really just excites you and gets you going? Look, I I think the thing about these sorts of journeys, whether they're hard expeditions or or coming on a ship into a remote area and landing in, you know, very exciting remote locations, is it sort of refreshes the spirit. You know, it gives you a chance to look at things differently. In a way, it gives you a chance to step aside from your other life, perhaps, your business, family, whatever it is, And just immerse yourself in something new. And I think that's really vital because it's refreshing. gives you a chance to view things differently. And that, of course, has an impact on the way you deal with your life when you go back to it after the expedition. Yes. Now, I know you've also done the New Zealand coastline with the Limblad Expeditions and National Geographic. What were some of the highlights of those trips that you've done? Well, again, uh, the ship took us to places that were hard to access, like in the southwest of New Zealand, you've got an area called Fiordland. And Fiordland's actually not that different in some ways from um, Norway. You know, you've got these huge fjords, massive cliff faces, rising five, six, seven thousand feet straight from the sea up to these very sharp rugged summits and so you can go into these areas and visit that but we also went down to the sub-antarctic islands and this is um look it's a rather uplifting experience because what a number of countries have been doing with their sub-antarctic islands many of them were quite badly damaged by attempts at colonization you know setting up farms the release of introduced pests which had a real impact on on the the native fauna particularly the the big nesting birds 
But what they're doing now is they're removing all these introduced creatures. And so what you get to see is, is the native fauna and flora is just coming back as if human beings had never been there and never had an impact. So it's this incredible experience of seeing the world, you know, like before human beings came along. And I think it highlights the fact that, you know, wherever we go, human beings have a big impact. And it's not to say we've got to get rid of human beings. Obviously, we've got an, an interest in being there. But it makes us realize that we've got to tread lightly and tread intelligently. Make room for nature and balance the equation. That's a very important thing. And how is that good for us personally? I think, I think actually it's an uplifting feeling. It makes you realize that you've got to do things a little differently. Um, and in a way, that is a very uplifting thing. It makes you think that you're doing something positive for, you know, the planet, the country, the community, your family what your children and your grandchildren will, will get to enjoy, all of those things are important. And as we face um, the pressures of, of climate change, I think it also enables us to realize that it's not just a setback, it's an opportunity. Do things differently. Drive a different sort of automobile. Do things a little differently so that we continue to have amazing lives um, but with a lesser impact on the places that we live. Wow. Well, now your father, Sir Edmund Hillary, had introduced you to expedition. You certainly have introduced your children to expedition. What does that do in building relationships and creating bonds as a family when you're doing these kind of things? Look, I, I think it's, um, you know, as a parent, I think it's one of the most wonderful things you can do because, look, all of us have very busy lives and, and you know, you you sort of say goodbye to the family or the kids and you go off to, to, to work and they go to school, but you actually need time to spend together. And, and in many ways, you know, in most households, unless you organize an expedition of sorts... <laughs> Um, how are you going to have that continuous time? Because we cohabitate in the house, but really, we're, you know, there's homework for the kids and you've got a conference call after work and, you know, we, we, we don't get enough time together. So I think you have to make, um, make the time and, and go on an expedition of some description, share time together. I've just recently been involved in the Everest 70th anniversary. So the celebrations are, of course, of, you know, 70 years ago, my father in Tenzing Norgay made the first ascent of Mount Everest. And we've been traveling around the world together um, to these different events and celebrations and, of course, some of the fundraisers for the schools and hospitals that we run up in the Himalayas. But one of the outstanding features of it for me, for example, when we were in London, we all stayed together in an Airbnb house that we were renting all of my children, my sister, and we had all that time together to be in London, have those experiences, attend the events, but most importantly, be together. I mean, how often do you have extended time with a sibling when you're an older person? It, it doesn't happen very often unless you create these sorts of circumstances. So I think the thing is, not only to inspire you, to rouse your curiosity, 
to give yourself an amazing opportunity to do something really different uh, and exciting. Um, but, you know, going away on a journey like this, sharing it with people who matter, like your kids, like your family, um, is a really important thing to do. And you've got to make time for it. You've got to prioritize it. I think that's the key. And too often we're under a lot of pressure and we convince ourselves that we can't prioritize, you know, maybe some of these things over maybe some of the work commitments. But at the end of the day, you know, it's sort of like when you're an old person and you know you haven't got long to go, are you actually going to prioritize a couple of weeks with the family and some lovely experiences? Or are you going to go back to the office and send in another report? I, th I think you might go with the family and have an adventure. I know my answer for sure. Peter, one of the things that you've done on this journey has been regaling us with some wonderful storytelling. And I think that's one of the byproducts that we often overlook when we travel, when we travel with our loved ones, with our friends, with new friends that we've just met. And you've done some fabulous storytelling along the way. Is there any stories that you'd like to share? Maybe a quick one that you think of offhand? Well, look, I think the thing about storytelling is that that's one of the things that comes out of going on an adventure, sharing an intensive time with other people. And look, I think people have, have been storytellers forever. I mean, we've been immersing ourselves in stories about the, the local indigenous people here, the Aborigines of Australia. And at one point yesterday, we were under this big rock overhang and we just sat there and there, there were these beautiful pictures um, that, that are thousands of years old that the Aboriginal people had painted there. And we were talking about what it would have been like. You know, maybe a cyclone's coming in and the whole extended family group are crouched under there. They've got food they've collected. They're sitting there and they're telling stories. And that's a wonderful thing to do. And in a way, I've experienced that through my own expeditions, whether it's sitting in a tent with my climbing partner up on a ledge on a high mountain and you regale each other with stories and experiences sort of to entertain each other but also you know to learn about each other maybe learn a bit about yourself and um, you know whether it's the the old-time Aborigines of Australia or a modern explorer in a tent or even someone on, on board a ship like this it's lovely to tell stories and learn how to tell stories. So I guess part of my role here has been telling stories, uh, providing some insights. And one of the things you learn is, is about, it's about communication. You know, it's about the timing of the storytelling or the enunciation um, to, to give it a bit of character and a bit of pause. And um, look, I think that's something you learn, but also everyone appreciates. And it's certainly something I love. Look, a lot of my stories have been around mountaineering expeditions and, of course, uh, climbing up on Mount Everest. I've been on over 50 expeditions around the world, particularly in Antarctica, in the Himalayas, um, as I mentioned, five Everest expeditions. And every time um, there are different experiences. You know, look, I remember when I was on the west ridge of Mount Everest, which is um, one of the really difficult ridge routes of this, the world's highest mountain, 
And we had this camp, Camp 3, at 24,500 feet. But it was prone to very strong winds. So we dug a snow cave right in the crest of this knife-edged ridge. And it was a huge snow cave, so the six of us could get in there. We had a huge bench where we had all our cooking utensils, stoves and bags of food and all of this. It even had a little toilet slot off the side, so it was quite a self-contained snow cave. But the six of us had put a lot of work into it. I remember coming back to it, and I was out in front of the guys. We'd been down at the base camp, and I was up front and you know hauling myself and as i tried to haul myself up the steep snow and ice face and into the snow cave this bird came bursting out and it was a yellow-billed chuff and it had been in there feasting on some of our food supplies particularly a, a hunk of cheese that we'd left in there and in a way i mean of course we were frustrated that he'd been eating our food but in a way i thought how marvelous it was because you know, so often climbers, we humans, let's face it, we've started to tell ourselves we're climbing on the world's highest mountain, higher than any bird can fly. And that's just not true. The birds are up there. The birds are flying over the mountain. They're all over the mountain. And that day they were in our snow cave eating our <laughs> cheese. And it gave me a hell of a fright. <laughs> Oh my gosh, just fascinating. Well, and I, I, we, you showed some footage of you calling your father from the summit after 50 years, was it? That's right. On the 50th anniversary, we made a film um, for National Geographic about 50 years of climbing on Mount Everest. And of course, at that point, um, we, we had uh, one of the first handheld satellite telephones, an Iridium satellite telephone. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I was able to call him from the top, which was an incredible experience. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, it has been such a pleasure sharing this experience with you and your wife and just exploring, which is something that I think we don't do enough and something that I absolutely love about these journeys. Do you have any journeys scheduled in the future or any places you're hoping to get to still? Oh, look, there's always lots more wonderful adventures and journeys that, that, that are on the list. I'm, gonna, I'm off to do a little bit of skiing um, over the next few weeks, but um, we're going to head up to Greenland, and uh, um, my wife and I, and Jumling Tenzing, who is Tenzing Norgay's son and his wife, uh, will be sharing with them a journey on Limblad, um, around Greenland. So it's going to be an Everest 70th anniversary celebration. Wow. Well, Peter, it's been an absolute joy being here with you and Yvonne, and I look forward to future trips with you as well. Look, I look forward to that too, and I know there's plenty more sh uh, trips that I'm going to be going on, and I'm sure our paths will cross again. So thanks for talking to me. Thank you for tuning in to the Please Go Away podcast. If you would like more information on today's episode, and if you'd like to begin your travel plan today, visit us online at pleasegoaway.com or email us at info at pleasegoaway.com.